Welcome to the Medical Affairs Professional Society's Innovations in External Education podcast series. My name is Tim Mikhailashvili. I'm your host. I serve on the External Education Focus Area Working Group. I'm chair of the Mentorship Program. and also CEO and co-founder of Amadev Pharma, an analytics and management consulting agency that helps life science organizations inspire and measure their performance and engagement. Our new podcast series illuminates the path of scientific communication from teaching to diagnosing to treating all the way to changing, prolonging, and saving patient lives. The goals of our podcast series are to make medical education simpler to access by everyone, make it more relevant across different healthcare systems, and also more continuous to inspire innovation and quality. The growing number of stakeholders of external education across pharma and medical devices represents the important role that education in medicine plays in our age of information today. And so we will feature critical discussions with some of the leading educators from various perspectives of pharma, biotech, professional medical organizations, organizers, attendees, and patients as well, in our quest to both follow and anticipate new approaches to learning in our digital age. So today, before we get into our podcast, I want to share with you two reminders. First, the views expressed in this recording are those of the individuals and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of MAPS or the companies with which they're affiliated. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended as legal or regulatory advice. We also encourage you to engage in conversations about external education with other MAPS members via MAPS Connect on the MAPS website or mobile app. You can log in to the website, use your email address and password, access the global community, click on the Discuss tab, and scroll down to external education to post a question or review previous postings or podcasts such as this one here. In this first episode today, we'll discuss the power of the podcast in a professional medical organization. My special guest is Shelby Englert, Vice President of Education at the AUA American Urological Association, who has led the AUA University podcast, which was launched in 2016 and since then has offered over 250 clinical episodes with an average of 2,500 downloads in the first six months of release. In less than a year, uh, from June 2021 to May 2022, AUA podcasts were downloaded over 265,000 times. And so we'll hear from her on the impact that her podcast has had on the quality and her community and her members. Welcome, Shelby. I'm so glad to have this conversation today with you. Thanks, Tim. I'm excited to be here as well. Yes, and from a pharma medical affairs professional society to hearing from a professional medical society, I think that we will have lots of important insights to uh, learn from you. I'd like to start with your personal opinion. I'm curious to know what, what you think is the ultimate impact of a podcast as an educational format for a professional medical society such as yours. Uh, you know, we love the podcast because it really does a great, it's a great way to, for dissemination. Um, so many people um, think about live in person and there's a time and a place for live in person, but sometimes depending on your, your goal of the content, if it's knowledge transfer versus skills transfer, a podcast really serves us well 
where we can really uh, dive into um, uh, a topic area that's best served as a discussion between two subject matter experts versus perhaps just a a didactic presentation. So um, we like podcasts for how they address content and for obviously it's quick and easy uh, reach to, to thousands of people. Great. And in terms of your AUA University podcast, let's get into some of the specifics and what really led you to start this podcast in the first place? Uh, well, I'm excited to to say that I have a very innovative team around me. And so the first thing uh, of my success was I listened to a good idea. In 2016, our e-learning manager, Pat Curley, uh, brought this idea forth to us for consideration to say, we need to be getting into this area of, of podcasting. And so we listened to him and he put a team together. And the first, you know, was getting the technology, what platform were we going to be on? How are we going to develop content? How are we going to market it? And so... Um, we went through the steps of um, almost it as a test pilot, you know, so that we we built content new when we we took audio from existing courses and we built a library and it started gaining momentum. And that's when you increase your subscriptions and and the content generates from that point forward. And um, when we first launched, we were hope, you know, happy to get a, one a month. Now we are one a week very consistently, and we have an audience uh, that consumes our content. Uh, yes, and I'm very familiar with your organization. I spent time working in a, in a urological pharma company, and uh, I was able to see firsthand just how unique and uh, and and close knit your community of urologists really is in your uh, association. You mentioned uh, that this was a team effort, right? So who were mm-hmm. some of the other supporting players um, uh, in, in, a, in addition to the mem- in leadership? Were they some of the members as well, physicians? Uh, how were you able to get those case studies? Um, uh, so just, yeah. we are structured so that we have a physician chair who is pretty much my partner. Who, um, and so the physician chair is our moderator for every uh, weekly uh, interview. And even if they have an expertise in one area of urology, we keep that consistent. And so we have that person leading the way. Uh, We use obviously our educational needs assessments to help drive our content selection. And then we will choose a subject matter expert in the area in which we wanna engage. So from a physician side, we have the moderator and the subject matter expert. Occasionally we will uh, invite two different physicians if we have a debate uh, topic that would lend itself to multiple points of views, but we don't try to go more than that. Um, we we do try to keep it uh, to 25, 30 minutes. And so we want to um, focus specifically on one to two um, uh, faculty or physicians as the interviewees. Um, mm-hmm. So that's our content development, needs assessment to subject matter experts. And then we have our technology group. And so management of the platform, um, editing, uh, making sure that uh, within our you know opening uh, messaging and closing messaging. If we want to cross promote other uh, podcasts or educational offerings or patient education materials, 
all of that is built into our messaging at the beginning of end. And then of course, uh, marketing, um, uh, you know, social media is a great way to disseminate uh, podcast links uh, to make sure that you are using social media as a way to um, ensure that people know about it because, you know, podcasts, once they're in a feed, get pushed, which is great. Uh, but then it's also, uh, you can take snippets from that and post them on social media as well. Mm-hmm. Where there uh, some of you who were more familiar than others in terms of that technology, or what what are some specific uh, tools that you would recommend for other societies starting a podcast, for example, in medical education? You know, it's it's not. There's a couple different platforms that um, you can select from, and uh, as an organization, we have two established podcasts, and we're about to launch a third. And we have them on different platforms based on uh, the source of the content and how we intend to use it. Uh, One of the things we do on our AUA University clinical podcast is, um, as I mentioned, we have interviews, but we also use that as a dissemination point of, say, a webinar where we'll have a 60-minute webinar we will basically strip the audio and repurpose it to um, a one-hour podcast. Some people don't want 60 minutes, but a lot of people do. It's still a great way to engage in a course um, in the gym on the go. So for that podcast, we use one platform. For another podcast, we use a second. Different platforms have different features, different um, uh, things that you may want. Um mm-hmm. And so there's that, but, you know, podcasts are relatively simple to generate. You can use a Zoom platform to capture it, and then you take that audio and that's your Zoom. You can do the editing um, Mm -hmm. before and after, so you may want to get some knowledge there. But I would say that this is an opportunity for a lot of people uh, to get into this game. Um, You don't have to make it harder than it needs to be. It may not be as sophisticated as other podcasts out there, but if you have a message and content, you can do it with some effort. And you have very diverse content. I took a look and uh, you offer highlights from conferences Mm -hmm. uh, and a lot of very different content, right? So can you talk a little bit about uh, how you structure the podcast and also how really long it takes to put one podcast together? So uh, urology in this case has a diversity of specialties. And so uh, we do want to make sure that we are representing our members. Um, We know from our membership demographics where we have a heavier weight of specialties, but we also know that community urologists um, see all patients. So we try to be diverse and represent all of our areas of specialty, but then within our um, editorial calendar, we may have a specialty series. So in the fall, we always do our um, oncology series. Uh, We just released a DEI series about health equities. So within our 52 weeks, uh, we may have uh, several weeks that um, are focused on something. After our annual meeting, we will repurpose some of our key courses and send those out through uh, the following six weeks. Um, mm-hmm. So we, we try to be diverse um, and we we try to provide a different variety. Um, if you don't want it, you just don't listen to it. And, you know, but it's in your library and you, you always have it available. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like you are very conscious of addressing the needs of uh, your membership. So uh, the video 
uh, do you have any video or other modes of uh, repackaging this? Absolutely. So like most associations, we have a learning management system that houses our uh, catalog of editorial, excuse me, of uh, educational activities. But, you know, this is about um, evolving our digital platforms. So we also have an AUA University YouTube channel. And so a lot of our podcasts are put on the YouTube channel, um, whether it's captured video or just the audio that we put out there. Um, so mm -hmm. we have a YouTube mm -hmm. channel, we have podcasts, um, we are also, um, we have four different apps that are generated out of our group. That takes a little bit more specialization in our, at our staff selection, but uh, we are very much looking uh, in a five-year way to ensure that when the next generation of residents become our members, we are meeting them where they are on their digital use. How has it changed throughout its six years now? In, in existence your podcast is it uh in terms of is 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 the is there a uh any trend in terms of new content type of content based on the feedback you've been receiving um we're we are more um capable of putting these out more efficiently so you know mm -hmm. i think we we have always been on target from the content. We're getting better at the questions, right? So what's an engaging interview question? Uh, we really have a better yeah. set of uh, understanding of how to uh, prepare our speakers so that they don't try to read slides. That, that's not what this is. We don't have slides. And so we mm -hmm. don't want it to be a podium presentation. We want it to be a very relaxed discussion between two experts in an area. And so I think it took our staff some time to get to that comfort level, but now they really do a great job. So that's, that's really, uh, you know, inspiring and encouraging. Uh, the, the podcast clearly has an impact on the community mm -hmm. of your urologists, right? So uh, what, what, how do you think it has really uh, helped to, to maintain and, you know, and then grow your community of, of members and physicians? So we, you know, I think it's great because it touches so many more than your average activity. Um, we, we know that people have different learning styles, different learning preferences and different schedules. And we are trying to be very conscious of um, providing uh, different modalities. So we do have our in-person uh, courses. We have live webinars. We we take that content and we try to repurpose it as I think I mentioned earlier. So we have a live webinar. We put it on the YouTube channel. We put it on the um, podcast. We, we have it on our app, accessible through our app. And so I think what it allows is we are reaching people where they are. We are mm -hmm. providing them um, the the updates that we need to provide them, the AUA also develops guidelines. And so we want to ensure that um, all urologists have access to the updates of guidelines in a timely basis. And quite honestly, podcasts are the very effective and quick way of getting new information out to um, ensure that patient care is is staying where it should be. Distributing the podcast also plays some uh, an important role in its success and its growth. Uh, can you speak a little bit, can you elaborate a little bit on, um, on, on your mechanism of distribution of the podcast that we spoke about? I think, I, I know we had a conversation about this. Well, the, and... you know, what, what's great about podcasts is it is a push versus, um, someone's looking for it. So, 
Um, mm-hmm. The podcast, as you know, most podcasts can be pulled in through a phone app and the, the information is pushed. You know, what happens with our university library is people have to seek it out. And so mm-hmm. I think that's been the, the one of the, the strongest features of um, podcast oh. episodes is that we are going once you subscribe, we're pushing information out. I um, see. And, you know, sometimes content's overwhelming and, you know, we, we want to make sure that we're, we're using this distribution channel to get right in front of our, our urologists. Uh, it's on their phone. It's on their tablet. They can listen to it in the car, in the uh-huh. gym, um, it, it, you know, in between cases, but yep. it's, it's small, it's short, and hopefully it's effective. Yeah, I see. So uh, w- I think the important uh, point that you mentioned there was that it's not just a passive distribution, but you send notifications. So they receive notifications, right, about the, the, the podcasts, which in- increases the likelihood of them listening to them. So uh, important distinctions there. So my, my last question really is, as you look back, you know, to AU University, what are some of those key ingredients do you think that have may have allowed it to run and to uh, you know, change patient care and uh, create a build a community, make podcasts successful. How do you make a podcast successful and valuable to a healthcare right. audience? Sure, content is king. Content. You have to, you know, I am a huge believer of um, educational needs assessment research. We do it all the time to our members. Um, you always know if you're going to have a successful course. It's the amount of marketing you have to do. If I have to browbeat people with marketing, we may not have landed on the educational need that truly exists. Um, so we start with really understanding what is new, what is changing, evolving in healthcare in our area, and focusing our podcasts on that um, because you know they need that. They may not know they need it yet, but. Um, you know, when you have a new guideline, they may not know all the pieces of it. We do. So we're pushing out that information. And so if you have the right content, you're going to generate the buzz, you're going to generate the subscriptions, and you can really see um, the new podcasts have slightly higher um, uh, download rates than something that we weren't sure about and we tried. So you can definitely see it in your in your downloads, whether you you hit the nail on the head with your content selection. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, Shelby, uh, for sharing your inclusive, I would say, very modern 360 approach to medical education. Your long-term success and data that you've shared, I think, reflect the power of the podcast for professional medical associations such as yours. And as a new podcast series in external education, we're embarking on an ambitious journey to share why medical education matters today. And your comments are truly inspiring. So uh, tune in to our upcoming episodes, which will feature other trending medical education podcasts, their impact on the clinical point of care, as well as other platforms and their outcomes. Uh, if you are a MAPS member, thank you for your support of MAPS. If you're not yet a MAPS member and would like to access additional resources in this area, please visit the MAPS website to explore joining today at medicalaffairs.org uh, membership. This concludes our podcast. Thank you.